This is the moment you've all been waiting for. Live with the best father and son team on the internet. It's time for Homie and the Dude. What is up, everyone? This is Homie and the Dude. We are the father and son TTRPG content creation team. Woo. <laughs> and we are here today and delighted to have Skylar, the ADHDM, join us. Skylar, it's been uh, a little bit of a journey of us getting to know each other, and uh, hopefully this will continue. Really, really looking forward to the conversation today. Great to have you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I was really stoked when you reached out. Hey, of course, man, of course. You know, I, I wanted to dive straight in at the deep end with this conversation with you. Me, myself, Tom, Tom doesn't understand quite as much. But me, myself, I'm also neurodivergent. Uh, I'm dyslexic, definitely uh, on the spectrum in terms of ADHD, um, autism, you know, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm very much in that realm of existence. Um, I just wanted to ask you, you know, I've seen a lot of your content talking about, you know, how the TTRPG space, the D&D space, you know, is very helpful for, for people in our kind of classification or category of, of thinking and, and mental kind of work. What led you to, to dive down this and what led you to discover that, you know, you worked really well in this space and that you were able to kind of, you know, find this, this success in, in, in what you do within this space? Well, I think that you'll find for a lot of folks in the TTRPG space who are autistic or who even just identify with autistic traits or with ADHD that they've spent much of their lives brushing up against and being told to interact with things for which they have very little passion and attention. And so when you find the thing for which you have unlimited passion and attention relatively, you know, there's still burnouts real. Mm -hmm. Um it's you want to know what the hell is happening. Um, what's the what's the secret sauce going on here? Can I put it in other things in my life? And you know, it's and it's not just D and D for me. It's uh, stationary like pencils. I have a lot of, of affection and attention for one of my hyperfixations, special interests. But finding that sort of this like big glowing monstrous orb of a nuclear reactor of energy and interest and just wanting to to warm yourself by its light <laughs> for as often and as closely as possible i think would accurately describe my experience of running into ttrpgs when i was a kid um, I was a feral game store child slash comic store child. There was a shopping center where my parents would go do their thing. And there was a place called uh, Star Comics and another place called Mad Hatter's House of Games. And I was sort of set loose upon these two places. And there were tables. And uh, I had seen a Capcom arcade game called Dungeons and Dragons, just the logo. I couldn't, I don't think I was literate yet. Um, and I loved that. I loved the you know, bright flashing lights in my face and the music and the, you know, dwarf swinging an axe going, Ugh! Uh, <laughs> just a sensory light up for my brain. And I saw like, I don't know if it was some logo recognition. I think there were also some wires crossed because I'm real, I'm a Castlevania freak. I love Castlevania. Nice. Um, and the cover art for Castlevania 2 is a ripoff of 
Ravenloft I nine the module. Except uh, in the Castlevania cover art, Strahd is looking at you, which is really goofy. Um, instead of looking offline, but yeah, there were there was just some kind of. I wish I could trace the timeline exactly, but I do remember all these kind of ingredients stirring together and catalyzing. And I asked these very nice people at one of these game stores uh, what they were doing and why they had little toys. And uh, I I was like their pet kid, and they would. Uh, just sort of let me narrate my choices and then they would do all the mechanical stuff. I was a, uh, an anti-paladin called Bitor, uh, nice. from the eponymous rush song. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a uh, slippery slope from there. I didn't DM until 2010. Cause I was like, oh, I can't do that. That need, you need to be, uh, some kind of savant with, uh, all, all your shit together. <laughs> to, to dm but no it turns out uh sometimes it's even better when you don't have your shit together and you're flying by the seat of your pants 100 100 percent. you know the lo lots of what you said is very familiar to me you know i used to do the uh back back in the day for me before i discovered ttrpgs it was Yu-Gi-Oh. so i would go to game shops yes. and i would uh and i would play Yu-Gi-Oh against people and i would i would beat 40 year olds and play pink slips for their best card and things like <laughs> that you know that was that was kind of my jam for a very long time so i I remember that whole game shop lingering stuff very, very, very well. And, uh, you know, a lot of what you said really resonates with me. Something I did want to just touch on because I think it's super, super interesting. And I don't think I've personally ever heard anyone mention this before ever is an interest in stationery and pencils. That's super, super <laughs> interesting. And uh, what led you to, is it like an art thing? Do you just love like the different styles of pencils, the textures that they draw with or that you can write with? Like what led you to loving this this kind of interest in, in pencils and stationery? Because that's, that's super, I feel very unique. I've not met many people in my life that have ever said that. Well, shout out to the Erasables podcast, who, <laughs> whose undying love of pencils is uh, a beacon to us all. But... <laughs> There were there were these pencils. They're now owned by a different company, but they used to be Eberhard Faber Blackwings. This is one of the newer ones, uh, relatively newer. I think it's like a five year old volume at this point. But um, they there were these pencils when I was a kid. Naturally, so they, the, the golden the, the golden eraser. age of everything you love is when you are so young. Yeah, the eraser looks like it's distinct in that it's kind of squished a little bit. And yeah, and you can uh, you can this one might actually be glued in, but they're retractable. So when the eraser starts to go down, you can uncrimp it and like extend it in the ferrule. Okay. Ferrule. There's a pencil vocabulary word for you. This is the ferrule, the barrel, the, okay. the part where the eraser sits. But uh, there's something about pencils. The act of sharpening pencils in particular is very, uh, it's almost a forced mindfulness. Mm -hmm. It's It's got your bilateral stimulation. It's got the, you know, there there's a, I get a little too deep into it there, there's the philosophical sense of you're leaving something behind definitively you're you're wearing away at something um there's a point at which when you use it enough you cannot use it anymore you have to go get a new pencil mm -hmm. and that to me is a better indication of um how much work i've done mm -hmm. if i may need rest there's it's it's i call it like my my smoke break when i go to sharpen a pencil because it's like a little like I love the smell of cedar. I love the uh, the sound. The I seek out paper that's very toothy. 
so that when you write on it, it gets it. So there's just a, a lot of it is definitely sensorial, which I think you'll find is somewhat common with uh, autistic special interests, but largely it's, uh, it represents, you know, when I was a kid at grandma's house and they did not have television as I knew it. Um, and the television that was on was devoted to a, a news channel whose name I will not mention here, but, um, <laughs> you know, not very fun to watch in any case. And so pencils were the, an avenue to create my own diversions and they remain that to this day. And now I incorporate them, of course, into D and D prep as often and as uh, liberally as possible. Awesome. I, I love the the just like the, the, the list of metaphors the, that, the, yeah just the the, as well the symbolism of mm -hmm. you know a new pencil being used for the first time going through the you know the, the the stages of use and age until it's finally withered into its little stump and then cast away. i don't know if you do you pitch them in at the end or do you have a bucket full of like the the the, the those who remain the husks that <laughs> <remain>. <laughs> uh i there are some people who do hold on to their pencil stubs. I keep them for a time. I even used to keep my pencil shavings. There was a novel that I had written um, that I kept all the shavings for in this big antique brandy bottle with like ships on it and a big wooden stopper with a cork. Um, but eventually you use so many pencils that it's like, well, yeah. uh, I, I cannot have 400 pounds of sentimental garbage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so sort of I'll just keep my favorite stubs but there's a here's another vocabulary term for you that I think originated with the erasable podcast but the Steinbeck stage at which Steinbeck would give his pencils I think to his daughter was when the the length of the pencil reached his finger he was like okay. uh, these are these are no longer good to write with and actually I like giving all of my Steinbeck stage pencils to my wife because she really likes using that link of pencil. So there's sort of a, a life cycle of graphite in this home. I that's awesome. Yeah, that's I, fucking I, awesome. I really do love the symbolism, but I think beyond that, dude, here's what I'm seeing that I, I guess would you would you would connect to being uh, potentially um, relatable to neurodivergent thinking, but I, I'm going to extend it further and like, and this is what I think you've done really incredibly with is just trying to be in touch with things that you enjoy with joys in your life, really trying to find those and possibly avoid things that you don't like because, you know, and, and, and perhaps it is more something that you're, you're needing to do or more in tune with doing being neurodivergent but i think it's something applicable for everyone and some people just numb it out for different reasons and do shit that they don't want to do or never really understand the shit that they love mm -hmm. and it sounds like it sounds like you've been you know really really effective in in studying that space and trying to find out okay what are the things that i i actually like enjoy in this life of mine you know these years that i'm going to be here what are the things that like buzz my brain that give me like real like euphoria in my brain. And I think you've, it's just the couple examples you've given us are great examples of how you've done that. Spoken with passion, I think would be the, the, yeah. the, the, the way to say, it. you know, you speak very passionately about about that stuff. And it's it, it's super interesting. I think, you know, the, the sensory thing, again, speaks to me massively. Um, you know, my, my partner the other day was like, 
you know, you have a lot of sensory stuff that you do. You know, you, you, you <laughs> fidget with things, you know, with certain foods. You don't like textures of foods. Like, I don't like wearing new socks. Like, if I get a pair of socks, I have to wash them, like, three or four times <laughs> before I actually wear them because it makes my, like, spine, like, tense up really bad. Um, so I really understand the, the, the sensory thing and, like, the noise and, you know, the fact that you're there sharpening a pencil. And I, I remember as a kid as well, you know, going over to, you know, the, the bin or whatever it was in class, the, the trash can in class and, you know, sharpening a pencil and almost like for a moment, everything kind of like shuts out as you're there, just like, you know, it's a liminal space. It. Yeah. It's uh it is a time without time. <laughs> kind of like playing D and D. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. It's two in the morning. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but dude, that's super interesting. I, I obviously I've got to ask because, you know, a, a, We've never had anyone as proficient in stationery as yourself on the show. So I've got to <laughs> I'm ask honored. you, what do you, what would you say is the apex predator of pencils? What is the, you know, if, if you were like, oh shit, this is, everyone needs this pencil in their life to make their life better. What, what pencil are you recommending to people? Um, what, let's do this. What's the, what's the apex predator? And then what's a good starter pencil? Let's, <laughs> okay. go, let's go both ends of the spectrum. Right. You can yeah, work up yeah, to yeah. with. Yeah, Jedi exactly. training. Exactly. What's the Padawan pencil and then what's the master pencil? <laughs> the greatest pencil is the one in hand. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> the So my personal favorite pencils, there is... Mm, do I want to be loyal to my country? <laughs> Go with your heart. Go with, Go your, with heart. your heart, yeah. <laughs> Musgrave is a company, I believe in Tennessee, and they make some of the finest coolest pencils if you want flashy the these these black wings which i believe the company is just called black wing now they used to be um the name eludes me california the the same people who made the uh, palomino yeah mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah these these black wings are like the these are the, they have a subscription service, you know, so you get the new volumes. They make new volumes dedicated to uh, different people throughout history. There was a Jackie Robinson one that was the volume 42. They're not sequential. So if you get 42, don't be like, how do I get one through 41? Because they mm -hmm. go in no particular order. There's a volume 10,000 and there's a volume one half. Um, Genius. But Genius they, marketing. Those do, um, I mean, yeah, I like, I fell for it until I had no more room for pencils. And then I was like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rather than falling for it, I would say I, I fell for it in the way that one falls for uh, someone when you are talking with them <laughs> late in the night and walking along the beach. Um, yeah. yeah. But they, they break down into, there's like the Blackwing mat or... Is it the mat? The there 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 are community names for it before they had these names, so I must. Um, there's the mat, the pearl, the six oh two, and the natural. Mm -hmm. And I believe it goes in that order. For, oh no, it goes um yeah, mat, pearl, six oh two, natural, and that's like soft graphite to firm graphite. So when you see like two B, four B, eight B, that's like getting mm -hmm. softer and softer and softer. Two H, four H, eight H, that's getting harder and harder and harder. Mm -hmm. I don't people who um like really firm hard graphite are either artists or delusional um <laughs> what's the difference some days but i really i like really soft graphite i like uh 
just just buttery. The General Pencil Company has a line called Kimberly. They're green. I'm trying to see oh, if I have is. any. I'm uh, not being a very good steward of. Dude, I've heard of Kimberly. Here we go. For sure. These here would be. It might be mirrored. So, nice. but in any case, they're green and gold and have this. Yep gold little ferrule cap yeah, yeah yeah and uh the soft kimberly pencils i like a lot they are cheap you can usually get them at an art store for less than a dollar another thing i love about pencils um is that whenever you know if you are a huge fan of luxury pens you might go and spend a thousand dollars on mm. a particularly you know i think neil gaiman's primary fountain pen he's got like his everyday one that's you know, $60. And then there's a one that's over a grand, but the most expensive pencils you'll buy, unless you're really trying to make a point of spending a lot of money are like a dollar a pencil through two to $3 a pencil max, mm. which is mm. um, certainly easier to access. Mm. But so yeah, the, I still haven't quite answered your question. The The top of the line, <laughs> I market wise, it's gotta be black wings. Mm -hmm. um, just like they've got the iconic, like, you see these and you're like Blackwing, like the brand identity is unassailable. Yeah. Whereas every feral, other pencil the, the, from the feral end. Right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, usually there's some kind of shtick gimmick mm. in the in the design of the volumes, and they have their um. If you see a pencil in a movie from like 1978 to 1995, it's probably a Blackwing. You'll start seeing them everywhere now. I swear to God. Um, be like, I had no idea these existed and now they're ubiquitous. Uh, but, you know, it's like the the what cartoonist name, Chuck Jones. Um, they were like the Chuck Jones pencil. Uh, they were the, the Steinbeck pencil. You know, they, they were just beloved by so many really prolific artists. So as far as the starter pencils... Um, I'm going to tell you a secret, and I don't know how this applies internationally, mm. but there's a pencil company in India called Nataraj that it makes very high quality pencils. The uh, let's let's do a little pencil clinic on what makes a good pencil. So these oh, were do... from. Say again. Oh no, I was just gonna say. Do you think Nikki would be interested in this space? Probably. It feels, my, it feels my, like my, she my would. Girlfriend. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, 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 there's a good chance. There's a good chance. Go on. Sorry, so. Continue. The core, mm -hmm. the wood clinch case, you see if, if that the core is centered, mm -hmm. that's a good pencil. Okay. If it's not centered, uh, if it's, and if it's really splinters, if the graphite isn't very high quality, that's not a very good pencil. So if you want nice, even cores, high quality graphite, the Nataraj pencil factory sometimes is subcontracted or their extras go to the Walmart store brand pencils. And so at least here in Texas, if you buy the cheap pack of Walmart store brand pencils, you can get a hundred of them. You're getting really good, high quality pencils from India. So look for the ones that are made in India or made in Pakistan. And you're going to get odds are some, some pretty good pencils. Um, I love, you know, you, you can't really go wrong with some Ticonderoga, mm -hmm. the, the classic, the green ferrule with the yellow stripe. There's mm -hmm. no, the only pencil I'm kind of snobby about, and it's almost a meme at this point, 
among those of us with graphite cores in our hearts <laughs> is uh the i think it's the stadler wopex which is yeah. like a really it's like an eco-friendly pencil but it's just so dense and everything about sharpening it is wretched and it's just it's like really heavy for what it is so it's just it's kind of the maligned which that also kind of gives me some affection for it and i i tried buying some just to sort of be a an advocate for the underdog but i was like oh actually this is terrible so <laughs> a, a connoisseur across the board because you, you you've tried it all that, that that's the thing man you like when when things get bad reviews i often feel like i those are sometimes the ones i need to watch the most I do too. or or experience <laughs> the most because it's like it doesn't I have need... to have a 90 on rotten tomatoes i mean yeah, yeah yeah because if exactly. it doesn't you those like you sometimes don't want to be part of the 90 percent. you want to be part of the 10 percent. yeah i love it right yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a good point it's a solid solid point pencil joke um, uh, I, I, I've got to just say, I, I love the level of depth that you've put into this. And it, it, again, like you said, when, you know, people with neurodivergence find something, like you said, that radioactive core, that thing that, you know, we're attracted to like bugs to a light, you know, we, we can't get away from it. We, we end up knowing all about it. We know it from this angle, from that angle, from every angle possible and, and, and start to really you know, pick it apart, think about it day to day, all that kind of stuff. So I just love the depth that you've gone with with pencils and stationery. I want to ask you, you, you've talked a lot about what pencils use. Are you using them? Uh, are you using them for art? Are you using them for writing? Are you using them for like D&D &D prep? Are you using them lists? to like spin in your hand to do lists, <laughs> like throw at a board? Like what, like what are, what's Weapons the use? When necessary? Yeah, exactly, like intruder, like I just deterrence. I eat them, yeah. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> If if I and I don't know the origin of this quote, it may be entirely fabricated for a marketing campaign, but mm -hmm. some of the most wonderful things in the world are just that. The uh the, the quote, I'm not writing it down so I can remember it later. I'm writing it down so I can remember it now. So again, pivoting into that mindfulness aspect mm -hmm. of if if I'm writing something down, I am committing it at least to the present memory. I am aware that I am recording it. I'm putting it in a trusted system. And that allows my brain to, through some unknown sorcery, bypass my lack of object permanence, at least marginally. And pencils do a better job of that for me than pens because of the because of the sensory experience. Because there's like, you know, in in a in a video game it would be haptic feedback. Mm -hmm, yeah. The uh the like there, there's a tactile quality and I certainly use them for art, but it is uh, mostly like sketching out thumbnails, things of like uh, storyboards. Uh, sometimes, you know, during Graffitober, I will commit to illustration, but I will not commit for very long. <laughs> mm. I, I do use it for prep. I have many little pocket notebooks. I love field notes. I love, there's a company called Baron Fig, who none of these people have given me any money. Um, I'm just saying that they are wonderful. Baron Fig paper is so good for pencils and they have little notebooks that you could put in your shirt pocket mm. and write whatever needs to fall out of your brain in them. Mm. And I do, I do love writing by hand, whereas there is no Baldur's Gate 3 to play in my notebook, but there is Baldur's Gate 3 on the computer. So... 
the task management becomes a little more difficult and the um, big rectangle of infinite light that I can use to access any diversion versus the small, not illuminated, but certainly illuminating notebook that goes right over my heart. Yeah, I love it. Do, do you know I, a couple of things? First of all, I just love the way that you talk about this stuff. Your 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 <laughs> your, your level of your level of just a mixture of passion and and dry uh, comedy. Yeah, exactly. It, it, <laughs> it feels like you've lived in the UK a very long time, which is hilarious. <laughs> your, your 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 comedy is very synonymous with what we hear in the UK yeah. very very often. Um, I think so. Something that you just said that really rang true to me, and it's something. So I studied acting for two years. Um, I have since, you know, been a dungeon master for a long time. And you know, a question that because Tom plays in a lot of my D and D groups, he plays in our actual play. Um, my mother also plays in our actual play and has played in my D and D groups and my like my other TTRPG groups as well. And often you guys ask me, you're like, how do you remember like mm. the expansiveness of all the stuff that you've like, you know, you build out this world and, you know, time, you know, like what date this happened, mm. you know, and then that allows you to link that to my backstory and bring this background. And I think something that I learned really early on in my acting training was when I was learning lines, if I wrote my lines down, I had them like it was then there, it's locked in my memory. And it's so much easier for me to to remember them Same. than if I, you know, if I just were to try and read over them multiple times or look mm. at them and, you know, like do do any other kind of process that exists. And I definitely have found the same thing with TTRPGs when I'm doing my prep. Now, me personally, I, because I'm heavily dyslexic as well, spelling becomes a, a, a massive issue for me. So uh, all my notes as a player, whenever I play, I only take notes on paper um, and pencil, pen, whatever. I only, I always do my notes in that way. I can never do notes on a computer. When Did I'm, you say the P word? Yeah, pen. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear, dear. I am, I'm, I'm not anti-pen. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I definitely do it like that. But for me, actually, at this point, when I'm doing prep or I'm writing or anything, I actually love doing it on a computer because... It allows. It takes away one of my one of my weaknesses, I guess, or one of my issues of just I'm just not spelling shit correctly mm. a lot of the time, and you know that that spell check allows me to to focus on the thing that's important in the moment, which is what I'm actually putting in into the machine, as opposed to um, you know trying to remember how to spell which where I'm trying to spell, whether it's clothing, you know, you know all, all the all the different mm. you know all that kind of stuff. So I know I, that really resonated yeah, with me, that me writing too. it down and remembering it, you know? There's some, like, I don't understand it, really, because you could try to read something, you know, multiple, multiple times, but just writing it down, it's not like you're writing it down and then, you can, and then you're reading it there. It's just the act of, of using your hand to, to, to write, you know, those mm. different symbols on a whatever somehow locks it into your brain a little bit more. There's, mm. there's something weird about that. Yeah, it's like, kind of fucked up. It's like it's yeah. sorcery. I don't know what's going exactly, on yeah. exactly. But yeah. it works. It totally works. It, yeah. to it totally works. And that's, if I'm just reading something, especially if it's academic, mm. there's uh, even if it's academic for something that I really love, like if I'm, you know, reading something about the uh, mystical properties of TTRPG or at least uh, role playing with special interests and children on the autism spectrum um just the verbiage the delivery the way it's packaged for academic peers it's like someone is telling me their dream hmm. or about their D, D game really that i wasn't there to play 
and I just they're just the dissociative state is like immediate. I can't. Mm. But if I write it down, or you know, um, my my teachers would joke with me in school that when I would highlight things, I would highlight basically everything, because it was just the passing over the words to read them at all yeah. was a, a part of that process. Yeah. So, kind of to to first seamless transition here, when we talk about D and D, you 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 mentioned something in a video that I saw that was really really interesting in. Um, this, I think you had like a Venn diagram out um, and you know, you had this aspect of immersion in D&D, which I haven't really um, experienced, I don't think to the level that you were talking about. Like, I feel like I've gotten close, but as far as like total flow state immersion, it's tough for me to get there because of, you know, there's things that break it a little bit. So for me, immersion happens mostly through role play mm -hmm. and really, really kind of getting in and embracing the character, embracing what the character, and you know, like the word, the character would, would sort of blend away and, and you're just kind of there. I get that little flickers of that every now and again, but the way you described it, Skylar, was like different. Um, the flow state, I, I would say, honestly, I don't think I have gotten to that point of total immersion into a character just because I'm, I'm looking at my fucking spells. I'm looking at, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm playing the games. There's part of me that's playing the game a little bit and immersion for me is mostly the role play bit. Mm -hmm. I think, I think you're, you're, you're very good. Um, a good example would be during our avatar show that we did. We did an avatar, the last airbender series, um, a while ago. Did you do it with that magpie games? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We cool. use the, the Avatar Legends system. Um, very, very, very interesting system powered by the apocalypse. Um, you know, super, super open in terms of allowing players to be creative while having a very intricate um, balance system and, and everything like that that they had going on. Um, but Tom had a, we, the, the plot that we told was uh, set during the, basically the inception of the Hundred Year War. It was the, the telling of the, Fall of the Airbenders, basically. It was the massacres of the Airbenders is the story that we told. And I felt like there was a moment where you and I were role playing mm. with, with your dad when he, when you mm. fought your father and, and he actually ended up killing you. And, uh, and and there's this like really sad, super heartbreaking moment. And you hit this level of immersion. And I felt it because I was like getting super emotional and it was really, really strong moment. But I agree with you. In that moment, you weren't thinking, you know, what are my techniques that I can do? What, like, where am I on the balance scale? You weren't thinking, you know, like, uh, you know. And that's a surprisingly like, crunchy game too. Um, just in the, in the decisions you have to make before you do things. Yes. I fully agree. It's almost fully. opposite to D&D. It's, uh, it's less crunchy during combat and more crunchy during RP, which is so weird. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it really is. It's kind of like that. Yeah. And I think you just hit this place because you were just so much in the character that it, it, it allowed you to break that. Now, as a GM, I would say I feel the flow state hmm. like almost all the time. Hmm. I like I don't switch I, flipped. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what happens, but it's very rare. Like it's very rare that I'm not in the flow state, which is and I'll, I'll say something super controversial um, in the TTRPG space. Why I don't mind fudging dice rolls here and there or not even rolling my dice mm. altogether because 
I'm in the flow state, we're telling the story, we're leading up to something, you know, and, and, and at times I don't want to break that immersion for mm. you guys. You know, you're about to have this epic moment or this super heavy sad moment or comedic, you mm. know, whatever. And it feels like at times, like like you said, you know, the crunch can sometimes pull you back out of that and, mm. and, and make you uh, kind of kind of pull out of that state. Um, do you find, you know, as as someone who is in that space as well, what the, the the difference between when you're a player in a GM and trying to hit that flow state and trying to find that that mindfulness kind of space, any different between the two? Oh yeah, and I must admit that um, the longer I spend DMing without playing, the sort of worse I am as a player. Um, in either there there are some instances where I find myself like, oh, I'm wanting to like make sure everyone manages their resources as well as possible, because that's what I'd be doing on that side of the screen is like making sure that all these goblins use their action and bonus action and reaction or whatever. Mm. And uh, so I, I just have to take a moment to, okay, don't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> these are actually yeah. all it's, other people are taking care of that stuff over here. You don't have to do that. Yeah. Um, and so it's actually a little understimulating to be a player. Mm. And sorry, one of my cats will be vocal because I am looking at something besides him and the sun is up. But so uh, you will forgive me if you hear his lamentations. But the understimulated player. Yes. Okay. I, as a player, I typically need like a shtick. I need something that I can like lean into, whether it's like, oh, this, 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 this one is doing the Gandalf voice. Or, yeah. you know, the, this, this is my character who is like, Maybe they have a secret that I'm focused on, or maybe not even something that really draws attention to the character, but something that occupies me. And or um, if there's another character that my character can be like tied to or even like in service to, like I, I am Lady Emelina's sworn bodyguard, like that sort of stuff really gets me in the zone for being a player. But I find that otherwise um, I... I almost prefer DMing. There are some times where I've been a player, like uh, my friend Brittany ran a Curse of Strahd campaign and I basically got to be like a Belmont. Um, I was a paladin with a whip and nice. we killed Strahd and it was awesome. And that I was like all in because I was like Castlevania, mm. which is something I can just like fall into whenever I may need. Sorry, I think he needs this. Do do not apologize at all. It's all And whereas being a dungeon master, the only times I'm really just totally not immersed, like the, the flow state is just like full stop, are if there is like a mechanical question that someone has brought up that they're like the I don't know if you know turd sick, the the rules don't say I can't. Mm -hmm. um, so somebody's like, oh, this says I can push them 15 feet away. Can I push them 15 feet up? Mm. No, no, you can't. Mm. So the rules don't say I can't. So like those kinds of conversations uh, where where rules court is in session, mm -hmm. um, that kind of takes me out of it. And I'm really like, hey, can we just hand wave this right now and circle back to it later? Because everyone else at the table typically is also like, Ugh. Mm, yeah. oh, great he's asking about the spell points again mm. um he might unplug my camera um but the 
rather than looking at what takes me out of it, uh, what what brings me into the flow state as a dungeon master. And uh, Dr. Megan Connell talks about this in her book, um, Tabletop Role-Playing for Therapy. Mm-hmm. Tabletop Role-Playing Therapy. A guide for the clinician game master. So Dr. Mm-hmm. Connell is at a clinician game master. She uses Dungeons and Dragons in her practice mm-hmm. to specifically for role playing. The the same thing you would use play therapy and role play therapy for, but in a codified game. Mm-hmm. And uh, she talks about Miali Csikszentmihalyi's research on the flow state who comes up a lot whenever we're talking about the psychology of play at all. And one of the qualities of that is that if you feel you are in the, you're in a challenge, you're in a task, you're accomplishing it and you have the resources in the context of that challenge to accomplish it. So you don't need to reach outside of that and say, like in the video you're talking about, I say that if, you know, if the players are like, ah, we've ridden to the dungeon, we fought through the swamps and uh, we're here to retrieve the the hand of the sundered god. And uh, they get to the door and it's like, one of us always lies and one of us tells the truth. It's like, fucking come on, man, really? Like, <laughs> like I don't have a spell for this. There's no like, there's no element of my backstory where I learned this riddle when I was a kid that we talked about it earlier. Like there's no, you know, whereas... If it was something that they could reach out with, I'm going to get a little um, woo-woo here. No, please go. Whenever we are at the table, there is something that can happen and does not always, and perhaps not everyone even values it to the same degree. But uh, when you are, when you watch a movie, when you listen to a song, when you play a video game, even a multiplayer video game, your sensory experience of that and your contextual experience of that is alone. When you have a dream, right? You can, what you carry back into the world, into the waking world about your dream is it dissolves in your hands. It's foreign agriculture. It gets confiscated at customs. It means nothing. All you have is words to describe it. Words are not enough. Mm. And your the the boundlessness of your inner self which was so connected and so real in the dream or in the moment where you were in the song or in the moment in the movie where you disappeared and you had, you were immersed in the dream, like the, the wonderful movies you go to in the theaters where no one coughs or looks at their phone and the moment of vulnerability on screen is not undercut by like a Marvel joke of he's right behind me, isn't he? Like there's just a moment that everyone is allowed to steep in and your experience of it is not going to be the same as anyone else's. What's unique about tabletop role-playing, and certainly you're not going to be able to like psychically link with everyone. There will always be the the corners of your heart that are unknown, perhaps even to you. But at the game table, you may tell someone tomorrow, oh my God, those wolves almost got us. And they're like, cool. Anyway, um, but there are three or four other people out there in the world. And even though you imagine Count Strahd von Zarevich up on the balcony sneering down at you as his as the creatures of the night bear down, uh, you'll all imagine that a little bit differently. Those words all evoke somewhat similar memory, um, a shared experience. And 
that to me is a very, very precious thing that there are these things it, there. You, you, you have these characters that go into this real fake world that you all treat as real for the purposes of like, there will be consequences for my actions. Right. Some people anyway. Um, and you sort of let these avatars of you bear your heart like a like a light in their hands and illuminate your perception and something happens and you can share your response to it in the moment time stops for you whereas out here in frame one uh which is gary allen finds three frames right player game character up here in frame one the present moment is such a poor container for everything that we need to express it like if you saw who's your favorite musician John Frusciante. Mm. Okay. Someone who has had an immeasurable impact on your emotions and your inner life. And you had one minute to tell them how much that means. Impossible. No, like you freeze, you panic. There's so, there's so much trying to fit through that funnel. And how can you say it in a way that does not convey to them just that you're another person who's like, oh my God, you know, this means a lot to me, blah, 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 blah. And, or, you know, Someone has experienced great loss and you say, sorry for your loss. But what you want to say is like, you just want to pour compassion and like, I'm, uh, oh my God, I'm so sorry for the, the times that you're going to forget that this terrible thing happened. And then you're going to remember and it's going to hurt all over again. Or when you want to say, I love you to someone and what, it, and it, maybe it's a tired thing at this point. And you're like, Hey, I love you. And it's sort of like a knee jerk reflex. But what you really mean is like, I'm so happy you came into my life. I'm so happy I know what your favorite candy bar is. I'm so happy that I know that, you know, you, uh, that when you floss your teeth, you make a really silly face. And, but we can't say all that in a little tiny moment. But at the game table, time is so malleable that we can stop and say, like, this is how my character feels that, um, <laughs> that we're surrounded by skeletons, you know, even really goofy things. It doesn't have to be the deep stuff. Uh, and, and it's all valuable, not just the deep stuff, right? Like all, all of that shared experience creates something really wonderful. And we talk about it like it really happened. We say, we fought Strahd von Zarevich. I went to the Amber Temple and, and made a deal with the Dark Powers. Um, and I think when we find that when the flow state is suspended, the pronouns change. Um, Skylar, the Dungeon Master uh handed me this rubik's cube and told me to solve it um or you know wh whatever whatever puzzle prop uh kevin had to go to the bathroom mm -hmm. or you know ali's kids had an emergency and she had to go mm -hmm. just it seeing the vocabulary split between that and I, I i have this sort of like kind of jane goodall-esque voyeurism whenever i see it happen in real life where I'm like, oh, wow, they're, they're referring to that in the first person, but this in the third person, that's really interesting. I'm going to download that to the core memory bank. Mm. And I really want to latch on to the things that enable that flow state. And a lot of it is removing obstacles for people to challenges, not removing obstacles, not just like, yeah, you win, whatever the dragon said, but removing obstacles that allow them to engage with the challenge. So like, let's say, um, dyslexia i i have dyslexia as it is comorbid with adhd but it's it really only like flares up whenever i'm having to read really things that i'm not wicked interested in mm -hmm. 
um, and or when I'm having to transcribe conversations or take notes on something someone is saying. And if there was someone at my table like that, then whereas for other players, digital assistance might be considered a distraction. I would really try to, or you know, someone with dyscalculia, like they have a lot of trouble with quick math, you know, dice roller app, whatever, who gives a shit? Um, removing any of any obstacles between frame one and frame two between the player and the game. So the player and the rules, you know, do you need a flow chart? Do you need um, to take some time to think about your turn before combat begins? Should we take a break before that so you can look at your options? Do we need to, before this role play conversation, do we need to have a very candid conversation about where you're at right now so that your real life kind of drama is not i mean unless it's like feeding into the game sometimes that's really cool but uh it's just just so that you know the pro the frame one problems don't bother the frame three character mm. yeah. because really inhabiting that to me is the most precious thing yeah. and uh to to a, it's like it's sacred i i'm happy to be um somewhat irrationally devoted to it I hope dude, that answered your question. Dude, a couple things. So the, there's many things that you mentioned there that I think are super interesting to dive into. Um, the first thing I want to just say to you that um, is super interesting. So I have this weird competitiveness about me where the only thing that matters to me is that, you know, um, I, and I say I say this often on podcasts. I say this to, to many people. Um I know that by hook or by crook, I will be the best dungeon master ever alive uh, in, in the years that I am alive because I will put the work in more, more than other people. You know, a anime style, you know, na Naruto, yeah. in, you know, I, I'm the one, I believe, you know. Um, You're going to be the wizard king. Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, I, I, I believe it. Um, but I just have to tell you, dude, and there's people out there, there's people that, you know, that I have looked up to for years that are incredible dungeon masters, people like, you know, big names like Abrea Iyengar, you know, Brennan Lee Mulligan, Chris Perkins, you know, people who dominate the space and are phenomenal at what they do and look at things in, in exceptional ways. I just have to tell you, like, and, and again, it's hard to do this in, like you said, very few words, but the way that you think about things lets me know that you're miles ahead of some of even those people. The way that you're considering how your player should be working and doing all this kind of stuff informs me, dude, that you understand the nuances of um, socializing, which is hilarious because neurodivergent people aren't considered the people who understand that very well. Um, you know, you, you, you have a level of understanding, a level of care in the way that you talk and the way that you think about this game and, and the experience of playing the game, the psychology behind it, the mindfulness the the flow state whatever you want to you know whatever kind of word or frame you want to put on that lets me know that you are miles ahead of some of those people that we idolize in the community and i, I tell you what it definitely makes me want to try and achieve a level of thought that you have within your mind in the way that you play your games it uh, inspires me actually the way that you talk um the next couple things i want to just talk about were the shared experience thing it's super interesting in, in my life i can only describe a few moments of life where that has been in existence ttrpgs are one i know for a fact you know there was a moment in one of our games where 
um, you know, I teased something to the to our table for you know a couple of sessions that this one NPC was in love with another NPC. What they then found out afterwards is that actually that was not the case at all. He he actually loved someone very much different, and there was a lot of kind of um, negative thoughts in the community about this compassion and love that they had for one another. And you guys came away from the session just feeling heartbroken about mm. this moment. And I felt heartbroken about this moment. And we all, and we've talked about it many times as a group since then of being like, fuck man, that was a fucking hard one for mm. all of us to walk away from that session. We all walked away like, God damn, that was heavy. And you know, that moment and realizing that this whole time we thought it was one thing, but really mm. it was this far deeper, far more, you know, like interesting thing. So like TTRPGs are one. I've got to be honest, taking psychedelics has been another one in my life. Uh, you know, moments where I've taken, you know, LSD or, or magic mushrooms or, or things like that have been other moments where I've been sat with someone and we've both been seeing, you know, the same visuals. We've connected on like an emotional kind of like biorhythm moment, you know. I'm crying about something in the moment and they're also crying for me in the emotions that I and, and we're experiencing that same kind of moment together and I feel like I've had that many times when I've been on psychedelics. The other one and you mentioned is music. You know, I recently was in uh, Berlin literally a couple days ago and was at a techno club in Berlin and the state that you're in when you're just in a group and it's the same with at concerts or festivals you know if you go to a music festival which are massive here in the UK we have them all year round and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people go mm -hmm. when you're in that unified moment of everyone's feeling it everyone's here because we love this artist we love the music they make it sings something to us it might be for me that it brings me out of depression for other people it might bring them into feeling that level of something that they can kind of catharsis. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, dude, there's something about that that as humans, we we yearn for it. We yearn to be understood. We yearn to have other people see us for the truth that lies under the shell, that lies behind the words, that lies behind, you know, what whatever you know, we're, we're putting up as the face value. of uh, Ironically, the roles, right? The roles that we have to play. Like uh, yeah. you, what you described earlier in that Avatar game, and that your roles as father and son, those were suspended for a moment. Mm -hmm. Those were gone. There, you know, there was a time I remember when I was, I, I must have been, I, to me, everything happened when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> when I say that something happened when I was a kid, my brain is like, oh, you were 12, because that was the last big move I remember, but it could have been anywhere in there. And I had been arguing with my mom all day. I was I was the one who went to the store with her, and I was never a very good steward of being the helper. Um, it's just not my bag when I was a kid, you know? Mm -hmm. And there was a very curmudgeon older man in front of us who literally threw up his hands like a cartoon and was like, I'm out of here. And it was, there was just something so caricatured about that, that my mom and I looked at each other and laughed as, you know, two witnesses mm. to this um, really bizarre thing that I can't even convey to you right now. Mm. Right. Like I can't exactly tell you why it was funny. There was just something about the, the color of the air and the, the way that this man expressed his anger and even, you know, and we weren't annoyed at him. 
we weren't really even mocking him. It was just like uh, how strange and wonderful it is to be here right now. And uh, I think about that moment a lot because, you know, anytime you think that you are, uh, that you have a good sense of self and awareness and that you can be present in the moment, often a conversation with certain older family members will correct that notion. Um, but, you know, regardless of, and I, you know, I love my mom. I think we have a pretty good relationship right now. Um, but anytime that we are in conflict or having a tough conversation, you know, that moment is there where we both kind of took off the masks and got to be in that shared experience. And that, that even is much smaller than I went to a, I don't know if either of you know the mountain goats, but I went to a mountain goats concert mm. here in my hometown and they have not been here for many years and um, pe people of all sorts. It was at a theater that typically hosts country Western bands, as is the want here. Um, and that is not what the Mountain Goats do. So there were all kinds of folks checking them out for the first time or longtime fans who have been to many concerts. It was my first Mountain Goats concert. But there were certain songs that they played that were not new songs. They were the, the songs that everyone knows. And those are the moments where it's everything else just melts away mm, yeah and music is a huge conduit for that and really any kind of like sensory like the, the reason why you know everyone feels so connected at a if there's like a corporate public speaker is because your senses are just being blasted with like here's the music and here's the charismatic person and you're all kind of like you're in the dream you dip into it and any anytime you can share that with other people is very it's very tender. Hundred percent. And uh, to circle back on what you said earlier about my um, my qualities as a dungeon master, you haven't played in my games. I might be really shitty. <laughs> Here's, you, you know what? You, you you fully well might be, but I I, I can I can, uh, I can I can tell you that there's there's a level of thinking that I've I know other dungeon masters don't put into their games and and. To a degree after hearing what you said that i don't put into my games that i understand now after speaking to you that i need to mm. going forward you know i i definitely know the whole like you know I've, I've had conversations with my mother before a session where she's like i'm really fucking struggling at the moment and i'm really concerned that that's going to come out in my role play today mm. and i'm worried that that's you know that's going to be a part of it and i'm like okay do you want us to lean into that or do you want to steer away from it today you know and so there's parts of what you said that i know i tick boxes in but there's other things that i know that in my gm repertoire aren't things that i tick boxes or think about at least mm. which is why i i guess express that level of respect and, and understanding for for what you do and it, it made me look at things from a different perspective uh dude i fully agree with you the music thing is the music thing is it's it's a real one like it's 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 a super real one and there's been many moments um, of, of that experience, but then other moments where you can't express it. I know, so for us, I mentioned John Frusciante. Um, he he's, was, uh, for a long time, the lead guitarist of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, at that band, you know, since I was a little kid, we didn't have, um, when we moved to Spain, we didn't have a television, we didn't have anything, but we did have Tom and Tracy's CDs that they brought to Spain with them. And some of those were the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and we listened to them nonstop when I was a kid. So they are part of my initial script of life. You know, the first seven years of my life were developed by those songs and those memories. 
And I know it, it gets me emotional talking about it. I remember the first time I saw them live, John wasn't even performing with them. But I called Tom. I was at like I'm in the crowd. There's I remember there's thousands of people around me, and I'm I, like I don't know why I thought you would even hear a word that I'm saying. <laughs> but I called Tom to just tell him like that, like that this moment meant so much to me because it was a moment that he allowed me to experience because of the time that you put in my life, showing me that music mm. and showing me the 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 love and the the expression and you playing those songs and and sharing those love moments with me as a kid i think and, and so i was on the phone with you and i was like tom listen there i'm here, I'm here. I'm like i was I like it. i made it like it's and I, again just there was no words to express what i was feeling in that moment but it was it was gratitude for tom mm. more than me enjoying the music more than the moment of my friends being there i had a group of like 10 friends that i'm with you mm. know who also love the red hot chili peppers it was just pure gratitude for you. And I think that was, again, just something I couldn't convey in the moment. Mm. And super, super interesting space that, you know, within TTRPGs, um, and I experienced this literally last night. I, I, I'm currently playing more regularly. I, I typically GM all the time, but I was playing, playing a bit more regularly. And I experienced it last night where uh, I've come back from holiday. I'm feeling a lot more energetic and my fellow cast members could very much tell that I was uh, feeling very much more energetic. And they're like, edgiest, you're uh, you're very bright and chirpy today kind of thing. And, you know, uh, in that moment, I was like, well, that's because, you know, this whole time edgiest has been feeling fucking useless. And we just came up with a plan and I kind of drove that plan. And now I don't feel so useless to you guys anymore. Mm. And I was able to sit there and describe the edges was feeling a type of way about this, that he was, you know, he, he had been feeling really shit about himself, self-conscious out of sorts with himself. And actually in this moment where I've described this cunning plan and you've all gone, that's a fucking good idea. Edgius felt really vindicated. He felt very happy and, and supported in that moment. So yeah, there was energy, though that energy was coming from something else. It actually was the character feeling that. Mm. And I think it's it's a beautiful space where we can describe that. You know, I've I've I bring it back to the Avatar one, that series for us because we dealt with such a heavy topic of you know intense massacre. Really, is what it is. Hundreds of Airbenders being killed mm. um, by the Fire Nation, and you know we had characters that were you know we had you know uh, it all started with a wedding that was interrupted, and you know there was just a lot of emotion in it, and I think. There wasn't a moment that all of us didn't cry in that and yeah. that we didn't, you know, express, you know, a moment that felt, you know, really, really real. And I think about that. I've said to Tom, we, we've done, we've played hundreds of sessions at this point, hundreds. And nothing to me stands out more than those four sessions that we played together mm -hmm. because it was the most in tune, the most flow state, the most like connected and, and the most expressive I've seen Ben one of our, uh, one of the people who work with us here at Homie and the dude who was in that show, he, he, he's not a very emotional person. And I got to see him in a way that I've never seen him before. You know, I got to see my mom express things that she hasn't expressed about people who have died in her life mm. in a moment that meant so much to her. And, and she got to express those in the game. You know, you had a moment where you weren't close with your dad. You, mm. you know, for years you haven't been close with your dad. And though I was playing your dad in an ironic <laughs> role switch uh, <laughs> where I'm your dad in that moment, you know, you got to express the hatred for your mm. dad, the mm. fucking, the discourse of just like 
fuck you, man. Mm. And you know what? But I'm bigger and better than you. So mm. I'm actually not going to fucking do this to you. I'm going to do it for the greater good. And like, I think so, you, your point of all of this is just, it's such a beautiful space. It, we're so lucky to be able to experience that. And it's something that I often tell people, you know, I say to anyone who asks me, because people ask me what you do for work. And I say, I, I do Dungeons and Dragons. And they always laugh. And they always go, that's very cool. <laughs> and I go, everyone needs to try it. No matter who you are, mm. get to the table, experience it. Try and try and understand it because you will learn. It, it is like stuff. someone talking about psychedelics. It's like, yeah. listen, yeah. <laughs> just, totally. just try it once. I'll do it with you. Yeah, we- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll do it with you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think what well, you guys are saying though is, um, one second you keep talking i just need to run to loo i'm desperate Sorry. i think like is is this part of your calibration when you're a dm yeah I, so I, as you guys were both talking i was thinking about like a jazz player like a john coltrane or miles davis something like that so they started out le- learning the scales and then learning songs on you know scores of of music sheets and then playing those songs and pretty soon they'd do a little riff here and there and they got to a point in their mastery that um, it was the stuff in between that was the most important thing. It was the the creation in between. It was the feeling in between. It was the like exploration in between. So I guess there's a rhythm to it because you, I guess you, I guess you could riff the whole time, or you could try to be in that space the whole time. But like with anything, too much of it. Um, lessens the value of it right so there i think most effectively it's when it comes in a rhythm right when those moments those those flow state moments come uh not continuously where the whole table is continuously locked into one of those memorable highlight moments but certainly like as a dm are you looking beyond like do you need to get to a point in your own proficiency as a dm with the rules with the story the back lore, with understanding the characters, with understanding where we're headed, whatever, all that. So that's like you're learning the scales and reading music. Do you get? Do you need to get to a point with that 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 is literally like so mastered that now you're exploring those. That's a great question. Those other spaces that you can bring people together, that you can that you can orchestrate the magic, um, and have that almost like as a priority in your mind, like. You know, it, it's it's being aware, it's being curious of we might be heading here right now, and I need to un, I need to unlock this a little bit more. I need to feather this a little bit more to get everyone feeling you know this fear, this love, this conflict, you know whatever it is. It feels like that's a next level of DMing, which is um, being aware of those spaces, being so good at the other shit that that just comes second nature like i don't even need to, i don't need to spend any brain power on that because i've i've tuned my mind into sensing are we getting closer to this let me how how do i get us even closer how do i like unlock this a little bit more what do you think about that it's a good question what do you think so mike shea talks a lot about um pressure points like where can you put like well one of my favorite examples is when he talks about you know spending the however many hundreds of dollars on the dwarven forge terrain with the fog and the led lights and uh <laughs> you can do all of that 
and still have a really shitty D&D session. Mm. But there's stuff that you can do instead of that without having any terrain and have a really great D&D session. So looking at where to spend your effort. And I think that like rules and mechanics are part of that. Um, Bodhi, you'll probably relate to this, but there's a certain amount of rules competency that comes with a special interest or a hyperfixation where you just kind of absorb it through uh, the osmosis of infinite love of like, <laughs> I just love the <laughs> shit out of this thing. So I know, you know, every single uh, XYZ combo in the meta right now for Yu-Gi-Oh! Or, you know, I, I know every paladin spell and basically how they work, or I remember which spells are concentration and which ones aren't. But um, really when talking about what skills are going to make you the best DM, and this is a hard answer to hear for many people, but it is communication. Um, if you are a good communicator and a good active listener, and if you are good at hearing what your players want to do and what their, what their fantasy is, you're going to be a better DM than someone who knows all the rules but doesn't do that. And that's because the rules are in a book. And you can look those up. It's a big reference manual. And you're allowed to look up whatever you want, whenever you want. Or you're allowed to say, you, player, um, you will you be my rules goblin? And you, I'll give you inspiration or something, you know. And also, you know, allowing the whole table to be kind of a hive mind for rules. Like, let the rules lawyer player occupy that role. That's not a... Um, it is not virtuous to to not be a rules lawyer. Um, so having, understanding people's strengths, understanding their desires and letting them fill those roles as comfortably as possible mm. so that you're, what you're asking of them is so in their wheelhouse that it does not feel like labor. And if everyone is contributing that, then what you've got is really cool. Because that's the flow state is when everyone is just vibing so hard and, you know, it's, it's like the, to, to double down on your jazz metaphor, it's, it's the jazz session where everybody's just like, you know, it's that liminal space where the air really seems different. And like, when it stops, like, it's like, oh, did someone turn the lights back on or something? Like it, there's a, there's an actual quality that changes as your awareness floods back into other places because it was all concentrated into this other thing. And yeah, like too much of that, I think, is you don't want to force it. You don't want to be like D&D is only happening when we're in the state um, because D&D is also, you know, um, looking up the rules. D&D is also joking around with your friends while someone, while the wizard picks their spells. It's, uh, you know, it's like comedy. Comedy is another shared experience, right? And it's not the jokes. It's the space between the jokes where we're all laughing together, if it's a good joke. If it's not at anyone's expense, you know, because mm. then that person probably is not laughing. But um, that, yeah, the space between jokes, I think that's actually a really good way to think about it. Like the the place between what we said and did and then uh, how we respond to it after where we're all just kind of soaking in the emotional reaction or even the, you know, the laughter or the, you said the G word earlier, Bodhi, the gratitude. Right. Gratitude is another thing that it's impossible to adequately express. And when and whenever we never express it, 
it sours and it turns into nostalgia. It's grief for the things that we couldn't be grateful enough when they happened. So we're like, I just want to go back to that time. And in D&D, we hit pause and we can all just say like, wow, I'm so, you know, I'm having, even if it's just like I, player, frame one, I'm having so much fun right now. Or like, I really didn't expect that. It doesn't all have to be like, Ragnar is grief stricken. Um, so having room to dream, having room to, to, for everything to expand and being comfortable enough seeking out the rules when you need them, seeking out, um, you know, outside adjudication if you need it for like, oh, I just really don't know how this should shake out because I'm not sure of the rules. And then letting all of your effort and your work fall on, I really think Mike Shea's eight stages, eight, um, eight steps, eight steps, that's, that's the word, are pretty good for getting a game, you know, the getting your NPCs, getting your locations, uh, secrets, like that's all going to make for the stuff being there when the play troop, when the players reach out with their little heart avatars mm. to touch the world for that stuff to be there. Mm. And if you've, if all those gaps are filled in with like your communication with the players and your understanding of how people want to interact with the world, like if someone's just been playing, you know, Assassin's Creed for the past six months and it's all they're talking about, like they're, that they're probably going to want some of that in the game. Mm -hmm. If I won't shut the hell up about Castlevania um, and you make the sun sword in Curse of Strahd a, a sun whip, like that's going to light me up. I'm going to go bananas for that. Um, finding a way to that's meet people wh where their passion is. Hmm. And because that's what people want to bring to the game. Like I have yet to meet the player who is like, I want to play a D&D &D character based on nothing, nothing that I've ever been passionate about or loved. It's like, no, I want to be a fucking Power Ranger. I want to be, uh, I want to be Conan. I want to be, you know, whatever, whatever moves them. I want to be Michael Jordan, like whatever, <laughs> just the, whatever, um, whatever icon is so dear to their heart that they want to manifest it. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe what they don't consider to be as uh, spooky and ethereal a sense as I do, but I like treating it with that sanctity. Yeah. I love that, Dude. the exploration of people's passions and linking up, uh, yeah, their character development, their character selections with their passions. Yeah. Really kind of, um, supporting that exploring those letting them enjoy those spaces 100 percent, i agree and i think you know it's 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 like you said dude it, it's one that you have to and we as people no one gets it right no one's perfect we we're constantly learning we're working out how to communicate better like you said you know express things better understand people empathize whatever you know kind of vocabulary you want to use around it i think it's one of those spaces that you know getting that stuff right you can feel it in the moment everyone feels it mm -hmm. we all feel it in that moment when it's right it's right and when it's wrong it's really wrong everyone everyone can <laughs> yeah. feel everyone can feel it you know um it's like uh, a bad joke yeah everyone is like yeah. mm. all right then mm. uh yeah exactly exactly and so i think uh i think it's a really really good point and to 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 be able to do those things well and the 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 funny thing is we talk about you know doing it in the game but really, those skills come from being able to do it outside of the game. You know, a lot of that requires you to 
be able to communicate well outside of the game, to be able to empathize with your friends and people around you outside of the game, to actively counterpoint, to active listen. The the yeah. game is a wonderful place to rehearse that and skill rehearsal. Dr. Connell talks about skill rehearsal a lot. Mm. Uh, Dr. Sarah Lynn Bowman talks about. I don't know if you're familiar with her research, but if you've heard the term bleed, like. Mm. This is bleeding from the me into the game, and this is bleeding from the game into me. Uh, Dr. Connell uses the term emotional permeability, which is nicer to tell to people not familiar with the concept already because they're like, bleed. Um, but there's not just the transfer of emotions from you are feeling more energetic because you're not sick anymore. Um, and so your character is feeling re really energetic, and that translates into its own set of experiences. Or like um, my character, you know, my character's best friend died mm. right and i'm going to be bummed about that in real life in a way that i can't really convey to the people at work or well i mean i work somewhere pretty cool so i could tell them and they'd give a shit but um you know you can't usually tell your dad you can Bodhi, but um you can't usually <laughs> tell your dad that you're sad about your uh that your that the the person to whom you were going to propose a marriage alliance in in this D D campaign but who your character was secretly in love with has been arranged in a marriage of convenience with someone else and now you're kind of actually depressed and you sort of need to be alone um you can't really share that with the the world at large but remind me where i started with that uh, you 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 were you were saying so I I mentioned that uh that those are skills that if you're good at them in the real skills world, often uh -huh. you can bring them um, back into the uh, yeah so like that that emotion being here from the game and the emotion here making its way into the game this skills can do that too and uh, I I really urge everyone to read Dr Connell's book Tabletop Role Playing Therapy um, it is not written for academia it is written for more or less popular consumption to stoke interest for clinicians and uh ideally in a perfect world to spur on more research because there's a terrible lack of research because uh here and elsewhere there was just a terrible satanic panic outcry against children having fun um <laughs> For many years, <laughs> yeah, in, in basements, it's like, what what's dark? Much, my son is so happy, but I don't know why. What the fuck is wrong? Um, <laughs> Johnny doesn't want to play football, but he still feels confident about himself. Um, <laughs> the, it's fucking true. <laughs> oh, it's funny. But D and D is a place to to rehearse skills, mm. and I I definitely have like. You know, if, if I'm having a client meeting at work with someone who is, who I don't really want them to interface with my, I don't want to talk to them about me being autistic and what mm -hmm. that means for me socially. I don't want to set their expectations that way. You know, I've got my norm core persona uh, NPC that I'll break out. And like, literally, this is the stat block somewhere mm -hmm. that I can, that I can break out, you know, or it's like. It's the same as, you know, if you're um, you're kind of rehearsing skills when you're or, or even rehearsing emotional um, beats when you're watching whatever anime, right? Like if if you're 
behind at your restaurant job and there's 22 sandwiches to make and a sink full of dishes to do like the difference between doing that with just the clangor and noise of dishes and customers versus if you're wearing headphones and uh you know listening to that that rock lee dropping the weights like what's it called beautiful green beast song you're like let's go i could kill god right now like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, there's yeah. any anytime you can let your because your brain doesn't know the difference, man. Your brain doesn't give a shit whether you're actually fighting goblins or not. There's a part of your brain that's like, we did that. We succeeded. Here's some dopamine. And uh, I'm going to reward you to seek out more experiences like that. And more experiences like that also encompasses like challenges in the real world, you know, mm -hmm. facing adversity, facing uncertainty, being a little scared and pushing past that. And D&D uh, &D is such a good place to practice that. It's a great place to practice communication. It's a great place to practice conflict resolution and communication. So, you know, the, the drama happens in D&D. &D. Like, or, and in all tabletop role-playing games, there's a burning wheel one-shot. It's not a game suited to one-shots, really. It's kind of a very involved game. But um, there's something of a one-shot called The Sword, which is, I love running at conventions, which is, as takes place at the end of an adventure where you've all cleared out this dungeon or whatever, and there's a magic sword, who's going to get it? And that is all about conflict resolution. Mm. And it can get really messy. And so that's that's a place where you definitely want to have everyone's expectations going in, like, hey, this is about betrayal. Um, so if you're really sensitive to rejection, like, let's compartmentalize that right now into the game. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, this is a safe place to practice um, having it out with someone who wants something different than I do, or we both want the same thing, but we want it for ourselves. Dude, it's, it's such a good point. And I think, um, you know, I, hilarious that you bring this up literally less than 12, 24 hours ago, I was sat with my partner and I was like, do you ever do that thing where someone's talking about a point and you start formulating your answer to something, but then they continue talking and you forget, you stop listening to the end of what they're saying because you're still thinking about that point that you wanted to mention, you know, and, and, and kind of do that. And I feel like, you know, with podcasting, you know, this format that we're doing with you right now has allowed, you know, myself personally at times to find the skills to be able to address things that I do want to talk about from earlier in the, the piece that you talked about, but then also address the fact of, of the stuff that you mentioned at the end of what you're talking about and listen all the way through it. Now, I don't get it right every time, but it's something that I practice when we do these podcasts. It's something that mm. I try and really hone in on. And I think it, it's such a good point. There's so many moments in, in, all, in all of life where you can practice these things. TTRPG is, TTRPGs are a phenomenal space because the consequences, though, you know, like, like we've said, your brain doesn't know the difference, but is real uh, to you in that moment are also not as real as like, you know, yeah, you I mean, it's friend to fuck off, you know, you're, you're doing a bit more damage than if you're telling his character to fuck off. <laughs> right. I mean? Yeah. There, that, and, and uh, it is a little bit dangerous to say like your brain doesn't know the difference because that does play into some rhetoric of, you know, oh no, a black leaf, the rogue died. So her player is going to go, you know, <laughs> do harm to herself <laughs> because yeah. if you die in the game you die for real but <laughs> um your, your your brain doesn't know the difference on uh a on a neurotransmitter chemical. level of yeah, like level. uh victory defeat not yeah. or even but it's not going to your brain isn't going to trick you into thinking 
that you really know how to cast spells or yeah. that your uh, kingdom is really in danger of being overrun by the hobgoblin warlord Gakog the Unburned. Mm, like yeah. that that stuff stays in the game. Totally. Which which is why I think it allows you to have that separation. You know, a, a common one that we see in the TTRPG space, I feel like, is a lot of people who are unsure of their sexuality often get to, you know, express that and, and yes. kind of learn about themselves in that space. And and again, practice those skills of being self-aware, practice, you know, being truthful with themselves. And I, I, I it's a tool. Like in a weird way, TTRPGs are a life tool. It's a game. It's an experience. It's a, you know, it's a story. It's so many vastly different things, mm. but also all these beautiful things that coming together help you as a person both grow in and out of the game and, and can give you that space. You know, if 100%, if you are a good communicator coming into a D&D game, you're going to be, you know, more, you know, uh, apt to deal with certain things. However, if you're not a good com communi communicator coming into the game and then you learn that, you'll come out of the game and next time you're sat with someone who is, you know, needing, you know, something from you communication-wise, you might be able to pull on the skills that you've learned mm. um, in those spaces. It's crazy you. to notice yeah. it, to be like, because I've been DMing for about 13 years mm -hmm. and having the experience of like, okay, last night I sat at the table and I saw that someone was sort of out of it um i was told like you said earlier like when someone starts saying something and you formulate your own response in your head saw that someone was sort of out of it and thinking about something else and we maybe you know let them get back to their turn later or however we address that and then taking that observation into the so in, into the real world where you see that that look on someone's face where they're so waiting for you to stop talking so they can say what they need to say because it's like a hot coal in their mouth and they desperately <laughs> don't want to forget it and it's like okay <laughs> let's uh let's let's pause this right now and let them say what they're going to say because mm. that to them is the most important thing right now and then at the a, real, a moment of clarity after that where it's like oh my god mm. i i don't think i've ever noticed that before i don't think i've ever used this skill before and there's a ton of, and I think it happens a lot, you know, with, with parents and children. I don't have any children, but I do see people after they have children become a lot more sensitive to other people's needs and also a lot less tolerant of other people acting childish. Like, come on, man, you're supposed to be on my team. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm in the trenches here, man. Just fucking. <laughs> yeah, just like, this, this is my whole life. Could you just not be a part of that, please? <laughs> You know, it's 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 a beautiful space dude and I, I i love the way your your mind works um within this space dude i think it's it's a reason why i think people gravitate to your content it's mm. a reason why i think people appreciate what you create and what you put out into the sphere for you know us as consumers to be able to enjoy and to be able to experience and to learn from and and you know self-reflect and uh and even just, uh, you know, gain some advice, you know, like uh, maybe don't do a puzzle in that way or <laughs> as, as you mentioned earlier and things, things like that. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I think is what makes you so unique and, and your creation style so amazing, you know. And I think we, we very much appreciate um, the nuance that you're bringing to both your content and the way that you've communicated with us today. You know, it's, it's something that is very refreshing um i i also feel like uh, uh, i 
actually before before I make this statement. Um, okay. Let, let me let me quickly ask, uh, what are your pronouns before I dive into this statement? He him is cool. Here. Cool. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say you know typically among the the male gender across society, you know, it's often something that is hard for us to express some of those emotions uh, amongst other men as well. I know in the UK in particular, mm -hmm. it's even harder for some obscure reason. The stiff upper lip thing is such a big thing here. And so I think, you know, your refreshing take on being so open and being so communicative is something that a lot of people appreciate and a lot of people, you know, really respect and probably look up to in, mm -hmm. um, um, in, in certain ways and things like that. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a beautiful space, dude. I think you're, you're a badass, homie, and I, I hope you. I hope you feel that. You know, as 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 much as you know, you you are very self-aware and very, you know, all, all this stuff. I hope I hope you feel that from the outside. You know, you you are a badass, dude. We look we look at you and we appreciate what you bring to this community and the table in a way that is uh, that is super awesome and uh, it's it's super kick-ass, man. So thank you. For well, it means a lot to me. Thank you so much. No, of course, dude. Thank you for being who you are and bringing what you. Do bring to the table because it's it's fucking refreshing. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say, Henry? Well, maybe I, possibly not for this one, but we didn't even touch on how uh, how creative your content is as well. Mm. Just uh, you know, your editing style, your humor. The There's some really cool, great. you know, bringing in gifts here and there. I mean, it's it is it's super fun. So for folks that haven't had a chance to see um, Skyler, the ADHDM. Definitely check it out. There's some really cool, entertaining, like I said, some funny ass shit in there, along mixed in with a lot of really informative, um, really uh, stuff that you don't think about often, like we've talked about today, as far as perspectives on um, strategies or just overall understanding of the game. I'd That's speculate wholesome content <laughs> would maybe be the, the, the word that I would use, very wholesome content. Um, and of that it uh, it's very grounding yeah. and uh, very very real and I think that's uh, that's something that's amazing and uh, and where where on socials can people find you what's your what's your like uh, your your tag what what can people search up so that they can find some of this awesome content we just spoke about so unfortunately my social media management skills were not so good that I grabbed all the handles when I needed them mm. but uh, at Skyler Springer S K Y L E R Springer is my Twitter X whatever the the bird mm -hmm. website? Um, believe on Blue Sky. I'm just ADHDM. Otherwise, you know, come hang out on YouTube, and all my videos have a link to my Discord server. That's really where I do the most socializing. But I love YouTube community post features. I love polling there. It's really cool to see like, hey, who, how do you actually feel about puzzles? How do uh, what, what do you feel about the new monk and the unearthed arcana, which is awesome. Sorry about the druid. It, it kind of got shafted. But I, I just love, you know, that's really YouTube is the container for a lot of that energy. And so I believe, so I should know all my URLs. I've been doing this for a little while now. But I believe it's at the... ADHDM. Yes, at the ADHDM is my YouTube URL shortcut. Hell yeah. So if you, you come comment on my videos or community posts, I will pretty good at responding. So Hell yeah. 
amazing. Dude, um, for, from my end, uh, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Um, it's been informative. It's been inspirational. Um, thank you for taking the time out of your life um, in amongst cats, work, uh, relationships, and 13 years of D&D experience to come and talk to us two jabronis. Um, really, really, really appreciate you uh, you making that effort with us. Um, anything from you, dude, before we close this out? No, just really, really appreciate it, Skylar. Um, look to have additional conversations with you in the future about different aspects of D&D, but also just supporting each other in this uh, in this really cool space. It's been it's been really fun. If it's not apparent, I can talk about this shit forever. So <laughs> hope hope to continue this conversation sometime. And it's been great to be on. Awesome. Man. Hell yeah. Uh, we've been Hermie and the Dude, the father and son TTRPG team. We really appreciate anyone who checks this out. Um, just like Skylar, we also have a Discord server. It's our little familia that we're kind of growing. It's a safe, inclusive, diverse space where people come shoot the shit, as well as also talk about TTRPGs and a plethora of other things as it uh, so happens. Otherwise, we'll uh, catch you guys in the next episode. Catch you at the next one. Later. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, Skylar. <laughs>